Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to see everyone and to be here today. We're going to jump right into, into our message for the sake of time. And we are coming once again from the 10th chapter of Hebrews. 10th chapter of Hebrews. And we'll be reading verses 25 through 39. When you find that, if you could stand in reverence unto the reading of God's holy word. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Beginning at the 25th chapter, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great, a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations. And partly while you became companions of those who were so treated, for you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry now the just shall live by faith but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Thank you. And you may be seated. Thank you. 
And I'm going to take a deep breath because that was a lot of reading. <laughs> so let me catch my breath. But our message today is go and keep going. Go and keep going. Let us bow our heads. Dear Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. And I just ask now that, Holy Spirit, that you give us focus. Holy Spirit, give me focus. Lead me and guide me through this message, through God's holy word concerning to go and to keep going. And Lord, right now, we're just careful to give you honor, praise, and glory. And I ask this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we look at our message here today and we keep in mind that during these weeks that we've been focusing on to, to gather, grow, and go. To gather in Christ. To grow in Christ. We talked about that last week here. And now we want to focus on to go in Christ. So I want to pick up here today at verse 32, and we'll proceed to the end of the chapter. Here in verse 32, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. And I want to pause uh, right there. And as we go back to the first opening verse, and just looking at illuminated, we keep in mind the context of, of this scripture, that this was the letter to the Hebrews, the, the Hebrew Christians, those who now accepted that the old had become obsolete, the Old Testament. And that now there was a new and living way through the veil of the temple. That is the flesh of Jesus Christ. They had accepted that Jesus had shed his blood for the forgiveness of their sins. But this was a time to where some of those were going back to the Jewish faith. They were not remaining steadfast. They were dropping to the side. And then there were others who they wanted to kind of create a, a type of hybrid faith. They wanted to hold on to the Jewish customs, but then grab hold to the Lord Jesus Christ and kind of have like a hybrid faith. In other words, they wanted to do it their own way. 
But today as we look at going in Christ, illuminated, the writer said, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Now they were in the midst of some struggles now, but they had already gone through some struggles. They had endured it. Why? Because they had been illuminated. You are able to go in Christ when you are illuminated because God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That they had come out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And that's how we are able to go today. It's because that we have come out of darkness and into his marvelous light. But they endured because of their love of God through Christ, through the veil. Remember now this new and loving way. And we talked about last week about growing in Christ. And we made it plain that to grow in Christ is to love. To love God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. See, if you're going to go, if we're going to go and help the poor, the needy, the spiritually blind, we have to go in love. But there in Matthew 20, second chapter, verses 37 through 40, he said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But that first one was the first and great commandment. Then he said, love your neighbor as yourself, and that all the law of the prophets hang off of these two commandments. And as we go today, because I'm here to encourage you to go, to gather, to grow, and now go, we have to keep those two commandments in order those commandments of Christ. And that was to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes we confuse the order. And we try to love our neighbor first and then love God. It just doesn't work. That formula doesn't work. We are to love God first and foremost with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Because if we don't go out in love, doesn't mean anything. Paul told us there in 1 Corinthians 13th chapter, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm just a tinkling symbol. You're just making Knoweth, can have all knowledge and wisdom, preach God's word, be instant, in season, out of season. But if I don't have love, I'm just up here making noise. If you don't have love, you're just making noise like a tinkling cymbal. 
He said, though I may, I may, may have the faith to move mountains, give all my goods to the poor, give my body to be burned, it still means nothing if I don't have love. In order to go, you must have love. I must have love in order to go. So let us understand that we must love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. That's a great call right there. Think about it. Love God first. Love God more than your wife, more than your husband, more than your children. There's an order in the scheme of things with God. He said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. My wife is my neighbor. My child is my neighbor. You are my neighbor. God comes first. And then love your neighbor as yourself. He wants you to love yourself. Be concerned about you. Be concerned about your salvation, that you are saved. Be happy about it. Rejoice. Paul said again, I say rejoice in the Lord always. Go and keep going. God is love. And we are created in his image. So we are to love. And love is not always easy. But we were made to love as something intrinsic in us. We were made to love. God came down from heaven and showed us how to love when he sent his only begotten son and walked the earth as a man. And he that knew no sin became sin and died upon the cross for you and for me. Now that's love. So he has showed us how to love. So we still look here in Hebrews, the 10th chapter. We see that those two verses, verse 32, verse 33, in the first part of 34, that's what it's about, love. They cared about each other. Once they had experienced the saving grace of the Lord, they understood love. They knew how to go through trials and tribulations, holding upon their most in holy faith. knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. An enduring possession. There's something about going. There is a reason. It is to help others. It is to make disciples. But there's something reserved in the heavens for you. There was something reserved in the heavens for them. 
Let's look at 2 Timothy and the fourth chapter. See, there will come a time in our lives when we come to the end of our time on this earth. And for me, I think about this. And I hope you'll think about it, that there'll be a time that you'll be like Paul. And he said, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. There'll come a time when you'll be able to speak in past tense. I have fought the good fight. So are you fighting now? In order to go, you must be ready to fight the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. There's that enduring possession which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Not only did Paul go, but he kept going. And he kept going. So when you go out to help others, when you go out to serve others, to make disciples, it's just not a one-day thing, a one-week or one-month thing. You got to have the mindset to keep going. Go and keep going. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence which has great reward. We see there in verse 35. Put your confidence, put your faith in Jesus for that crown of righteousness. For you have need of endurance. And when you put your confidence in Jesus, you know that you can't put your confidence in man. The Bible says, put your confidence in no man. Trust in the Lord. That is, don't put 100% confidence in me because I'll let you down. Whether willingly or even unknowingly or unwillingly, put all your confidence in the Lord. For you have need of endurance. So we talked about Paul there in 2 Timothy. When you come to the end of your race, right now we're in the midst of it. Go. If you haven't started, go. Get on the starting line and have a mindset. Go. And run this race with patience casting aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. And we see that over there in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Pick up there in verse 2. I just quoted verse 1. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. 
we're supposed to run this race with endurance, my version says, which means patience. Be patient as you run this race. As you go, be patient. It's not a sprint. Have your mind made up for a marathon. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus was patient on the cross. Waiting for death to overtake him. And he died for you and for me. He endured the cross. Could have called on the legions of angels. But he sat right there. Said it is finished. He waited. He was patient. We have to be patient in our times of trials and suffering. Going back, for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come. The promise is that Jesus shall return. And there in Acts, the first chapter, Jesus was talking to the disciples, and he ascended into the heavens. And they stood there gazing. The angel told them that, the same manner in which he left, he shall return. As you go, know that he shall return. The same manner in which he left, he will return and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. Verse 38, the just shall live by faith because we have to wait on his return. These Hebrews, these Hebrew Christians, during this time, many thought that he would come in their lifetime. And just like here today, many think that he will come in our lifetime. The thing is, we just don't know. We don't know the day nor the hour when he will return. Not only, not even the angels know, but only God knows. That's Matthew 24 and 36. He knows when Jesus shall return. So all we got to do is live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Walk by faith and not by sight. Go in confidence in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we go in our faith, if you'll go to Matthew 28, as we prepare to close out our message, go and keep going. Matthew 28. 
knowing that our faith is real, that our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, that it begins with that after he was crucified, that Pilate set a guard upon his tomb, and they guarded the tomb. because he was worried about that the disciples would come and, and take the body and then say that, see, he did keep his promise. He rose from the dead. So Pilate set a guard. He set men before the tomb. But there in chapter 28, he says, see that on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb that behold there was an earthquake that the angel of the Lord descended from heaven that he rolled back the stone from the door and he sat on it and his countenance was like lightning and his raiment was white as snow. And this caused the guards to be as fear and to tremble like dead men. But he told the two Marys, do not be afraid. I know you're seeking Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here. He is risen. Come and see where he lay. But then he said, and go quickly and tell his disciples. We are to go quickly and tell folk that Jesus has risen from the dead and that he sits on the right hand of the Father. Go. When you leave today, go and tell somebody that he has risen from the dead. And as they went quickly from the tomb and they were on their way, Jesus met them and he said, rejoice. Even though they were in a hurry, Jesus came in their midst and said, rejoice. And they fell at his feet and worshiped him. A lot of times we get in a hurry in our lives. Even when we're going to do God's work. But the Lord wants us to know that sometimes you got to stop, even though you're in a hurry, and worship him. Fall down below, before the Lord and worship him in spirit and in truth. Take the time to stop in the midst of your busy schedules and worship him in spirit and in truth. And now while they were going, some of the guard came in the city, verse 11, and reported to the chief priests, those who had devised the plan to set the guard and told them what had happened. And they gave them a, a large sum of money. They bought them off to spread the word that the disciples had came and taken the body of the Lord Jesus Christ during the night. And if it comes to the governor's ears, we'll vouch for you. 
Don't worry about it. They sold out. They took the money. It says in verse 15, and did as they were instructed. We cannot have two masters. We have to choose between God and mammon. That is greed, the love of money. As we go, as you go and keep going, we have to make a choice between the love of money and the love of God. You see, you'll either love the one and hate the other, or be loyal to one and despise the other, says in Matthew the sixth chapter. Then this is the good part as we get ready to close. Verse 16, then the 11 disciples, keep in mind who this is, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, but I'm going to pause right there because I had to pause as I, I saw this the other day. But some doubted. Some of these disciples doubted. Somebody here today, as you get ready to go, you're willing to go. But a little doubt creeps in your mind sometimes. Jesus didn't tell the doubters, you can't go. He didn't say, now you step out and you can't go and proclaim my word and be a witness to me? This is what he said. He went ahead and said it, and he was inclusive of the 11 disciples. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. He said, go. Even though some of you are doubting, go, he said. Today, you may have some doubts, but you have faith. It may be the size of a mustard seed, but you have faith on this morning, so go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. Baptism is important. It represents the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. There in Mark, the first chapter. And as he baptized him, and he came straightway out of the water, and coming from the heavens, the Holy Spirit as a dove came down upon Jesus. And there was a voice that said, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. Jesus gave us the example. Peter said in Acts, the second chapter, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. I was baptized back right before Easter. I've been preaching for years. Some of you who don't know me say, hmm? You were baptized. That's because I realized that as a young boy when I was baptized, I didn't understand what I was doing. As the years went by, I went to church and became a teenager, a young man in college, all of those things. But Jesus wasn't my Lord and he wasn't my Savior. I didn't understand that he had shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sins. I understood that 25 years ago at the age of 32. I'm now 57. I understood it then when I was born again. Gave my soul and my heart and my mind to the Lord and agreed to preach his word. So it was then when I was born again. Some of you may have that same scenario in your life. Somebody here today, you may not have been born again. You've been going through the motions, going to church and reading the Bible, but is he your savior? He may be talking to somebody today that today is your day to acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior. So I was baptized as an outward expression of my inward conversion of 25 years ago. That's why I was baptized. You got to have your own story with Christ. But that's why I was baptized. And baptism is important. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. That is instructing, demonstrating, involving. Walk the walk that you talk. Being a reader, a hearer, and doer of God's word. Not that you're living by the letter of law, but by the spirit, the spirit of grace of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Teaching them to love one another. To love God first and then to love one another. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So as we come to the conclusion of our message, go back to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Finishing up 38 and 39. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. When you become a new creature in Christ Jesus, you believe that your soul has been saved. And as we prepare to close the message come to the conclusion of our message as the praise team comes back. 
as we get ready to go today. Go being encouraged, being renewed, having a new sense of faith. Growing the measure of faith that he has given to you. Increasing it. It's all between you and him. And at this time, as we conclude, remember to gather in Christ. Grow in Christ. And to go in Christ.